Good morning, church. It is always, always good to be back in Harlem. I'm here with my uh, family, my wife, my two daughters. Um, we have a friend visiting with us today. It's just good to be here in Harlem. Man. I mean, time changes, right? Time moves on. One thing we're going through right now is we've transitioned. We've moved. Uh, they've merged two ministries uh, where we're at. So we were in Lower Westchester, and we've merged with Upper Westchester. And I must be getting old because I don't deal with change as well as I used to. I like things the way they used to be. Don't go changing my day-to-day schedule, new people, new things. It causes me anxiety. So coming right back home to Harlem, oh, it's just a treat. And, you know, they said we were going to merge these ministries, and, you know, I didn't have the most spiritual response. I was like, oh, man, we're merging with this other ministry, and they're in Upper Westchester, and we're in Lower Westchester, and... You know, I'm like, God, they, they just don't sing like we do. Now, when you come, and then I come back to Harlem, man, I'm like, they really don't sing like we do. But you know what? God has blessed it. It has been a good transition, and the ministry change is working well, and I'm encouraged. I've been humbled. But, you know, change is hard. Our daughter, about three weeks ago, just turned 13. When we left Harlem, she was just an infant. Many of you remember that. And you know, 13, I'm watching her grow into this beautiful young woman, so confident, more confident than I was. And just the other day, I took her, you know, at 13, they're going to all of these bar mitzvahs. I don't know if you've ever been through that stage, but it is like a bar mitzvah every single week. So we take her, we want her to be a part of it, but... um. So she, we, last week we went to this mitzvah and it was in the Rainbow Room. That's what I thought. I've never been to the Rainbow Room. So I was like, okay, I'm taking my daughter here and we go up the stairs and, you know, you've you got to go up the elevator. And then um, I'm like, okay, I want to see what this thing is about. Everybody talks about the Rainbow Room. I step outside and my daughter's like, okay, Dad, I'll see you later. She's like, don't be messing, messing with my vibe right here. And so I'm like, wow, she's growing up, she's coming into her own. And so, you know, change is difficult. But, you know, what I found as a Christian is life goes on. Life continues to happen despite up and downs. You know, the song, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand, time is filled with swift transition. Naught on earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Life goes on. So what are we supposed to do as disciples? We know that we've got to live a life of service. We've got to be a fulfilled life. You know, we've got to serve others. But what do we do to stay personally fulfilled? What has God given us that during all of of our walk and all of the servitude that we are personally fulfilled? So what I'm going to do today is really part two of a sermon that I preached here four years ago, so it's a little late, but you know, we're we're here now, so we'll, we'll get to it, but it's about using your talents for God, because no matter what happens in life, the ups and downs, God has given us things that we need to be able to be productive in this world, to be happy, 
and to really fulfill our purpose. Using your talents. Many people live their lives going from one event to the next. They're either bored, busy, or bewildered. And some people are looking for something new. They're searching for something, but they can't find it. Some people, we get to an age and some of us have a deep sense of remorse for things that we feel like we've missed out on in life or maybe we didn't accomplish. Some of us have the desire to achieve youthfulness. And so we can turn to the Bible, figure out what our talents are, and also figure out what we're supposed to do with this life. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And Solomon had this same question, what are we supposed to do with this life that we have? In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, the words of the teacher, son of God, king of king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. He's feeling some things here. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Here's Solomon and his pondering life. It almost seems like he's gone through a midlife crisis. He's depressed. He says, everything is meaningless, and look, we're going to die anyway. So it's a very fatalistic view of the world. But in a church like this, and we're going to learn a little bit more from Solomon in a second, we all have many talents. But I know for me, especially when I left the ministry, I started to feel like, you know, it's great that I have a relationship with God, but will God really be with me in my life now that I'm not in the ministry? Will God really be with me in the day-to-day things? Is he interested in what I want? Is he interested in what makes me happy? And how, how am I supposed to be in my day-to-day life? Does God want me to be a clone of everybody else? So I was trying to figure out, what does God want me to do? I know we've got to pray. I know we've got to read our Bibles. I know we've got to reach out to people. We've got to help people become Christians. I know we've got to serve and do good. But what am I supposed to do with my life? Ecclesiastes chapter 9. In verse 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. The Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, whatever you are interested in, whatever your strengths are, whatever gifts God has blessed you with, do it with all your might. Why? Because it says, in the realm of the dead where you are going... There is neither working nor planning. Why are you supposed to do it? Because life is short. Because we're all going to die. I don't mean to depress you. Hopefully we're going on up yonder to see Jesus. But life is short. So we've got to do, the Bible says, with all our might. So if you have a deep desire within you, a nagging curiosity about, about something, a strength, you are supposed to go after it with everything you have. Now, you've heard this kind of message before. 
You've seen it in the self-help books, and it sounds almost cliche, but the thing I want us to understand is that this is entirely a biblical principle. And we'll look at scriptures to prove it. And I know some of us can think, well, isn't that selfish? That I'm pursuing what I want to do. Yes, there is selfish ambition, but not if you're using the talents that God has given you. You see, I think that some of us use Christianity as an excuse not to go after our dreams. I'm too busy serving in the church. I'm too busy doing this and doing that. And we hide behind a veneer of spirituality when we know that God wants to push us out there and it will make us uncomfortable. And sometimes God needs us in these places where other people can't get to so people can hear and see about Christ. Well, aren't I supposed to deny myself? You're supposed to deny the sin in your life. That's it. But I think we hide. And I, in, in my life, I've hidden too. Not wanting to take on things, well, what does that mean? And, you know, look, we've all got to be spiritual and we've all got to also, you know, have people in our lives that, that tell us the truth. But God wants to unleash us out there in the world. And if we're sitting on this talent that he has given us, we're taking that talent and putting it underneath the bowl. We've got to get out there, and if it's in your heart, if it's nagging, today I want you to take another look at it. Why is this even in the Bible? You know, there are schools of thought, positive psychology, and what they say is that the people who are the happiest, the most productive, the most effective in life, are those who find their strengths, their gifts, and talents, and develop them. Think about how you would feel every day if you were focused on the things that you did well. That all you were focused on is the things that you were good at, the things that encouraged others, the things that gave back to other people. You would feel good about your life. God wants us, believe it or not, to be happy. Because I've heard it preached. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be joyful. Okay, well, maybe there's some happiness on the way to joy, right? Maybe we can have moments of happiness on that path. You know, and too many of us, we like the, the image of the suffering Christian. You know, it's like nobody knows the trouble I've seen. We, we love all of that stuff. It's got to be difficult. Look, life is difficult enough as it is. Let's not put more stuff on ourselves, more baggage on ourselves. Right? God wants you to be filled. God wants us to get to heaven. He wants our light to shine. Romans chapter 12. And verse 6 says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each, each, each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Grace. God has given us this grace. If you have a gift, use it. First Peter chapter 4. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength. There it is again, with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Two things, grace. We are given these gifts because God just wants us to enjoy them by the grace of God. 
And also, it always talks about doing it with the strength that God provides. That means we've got to put effort into developing these skills, into developing our talents. And it just doesn't mean something. It might not even be what you do on your job. It might be some people are just more encouraging, like the scripture says. Some people lead. Some people prophesy. Whatever your talent is, if you cook, listen, for those of you who can cook, you make us happy. A good meal? Come on. Whatever your talent is. Now, does this scripture say just serve people in the church? Does it say just serve your ministry leader? No. It says serve wherever you are. Bring Christ to wherever you are. I've heard so many times in the world, you know what? I won't do it unless it's Christian music. Well, if you're a Christian and you're doing it, it's Christian music. It doesn't have to be gospel. Gospel is great. Let me, not, you know, let me make it clear. But I'm saying whatever you bring to whatever you do as a Christian makes it Christian. Makes it of Christ. And that's how we are to encourage the world. God gave many Bible heroes a natural talent. Samson used his strength. Was Samson perfect? No. You read through the Bible. Samson had issues. Solomon, as we're reading, Solomon was the wisest man on earth. He experimented with his wisdom to find out what the meaning of life was. He's got a book in the Bible and we're learning from it today. Paul was hard working, a hard line. He was one of those people who were fully committed. But I get the sense that even though these men went through some hard times and some challenges, they had great victories. They had a fulfilling life and they had some fun. We've got to have fun, people. People need to see the church and see, oh, those are happy Christians, happy people. We like those sad songs. The one that gets me, and hopefully we haven't seen you know, well, I'm just going to say it. If I don't get to heaven, it will be nobody, 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 nobody's fault but mine. And yes, while that may be true, it's like one of the most pessimistic songs that we sing. Can we put some encouragement in there somewhere? You know, we, we, we fall in love with this romanticize, and we romanticize the suffering negative part. We've got to always show how great and how happy and how joyous using our talents for God is. So what is a talent? A talent is something that you consistently do well. There are skills, there are things that we learn, and there are things that we acquire, and there are things we get better at, but that's not what we're talking about. A talent is a gracious gift that God has given you that you particularly, you just do well. You don't think about it, it's not work for you, other people may struggle with it, but for you it just comes naturally. This is God's blessing for you, which he uses to bless the world. And it doesn't matter, listen, we had, I can't go into this today, but we had an awesome message on grace the other day. And basically, the, 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 the premise of the message is, once you're a Christian, so long as you keep walking in the light, God forgives you and he always loves you. And so sometimes we can feel, well, I don't deserve it, or I've been in sin, or yes, those things may be there and we need to deal with those things, but God is not going to take that away from you and stop you from using the talent he's given you to bless the world. Listen, I don't care what you think about Michael Jackson. You know, people think different things. But once you hear that Billie Jean bass line, 
You get happy, right? You start bobbing your head. You forget about the little troubles you've had, right? His talent blessed the world. It gave us a little bit of joy in terms of whatever we were doing, right? In the same way God wants us to use our talents to bless the world. Now, maybe your talent is something that people have looked on as negative. I had a best friend when I was in London, and he used to argue with everybody. It could have been the fact that in my school there were only two black kids in every year, and he just, you know, figured he was going to argue with everybody. But he ended up being an attorney. Served him well. I know for me, I was always told, why can't you sit still? What's wrong with you? You're always moving. I turned out to be a dancer. Those of you, maybe the kids, maybe with your kids, the very thing that annoys you about your kids, maybe the talent that God has blessed them with. Maybe they have an answer for everything. They're going to be in sales. Maybe they break everything in their house. Demolition and construction right there. They pull things apart. They're engineers, budding engineers. They write on your walls. That's a future budding designer right there. So maybe it might be even the things people see as negative. Even girls get called bossy when the same trait in boys is seen as a promise of leadership. So we've got to encourage the strengths that, uh, that we have. We've got to fan it into flame. Now, here's the thing. If you're always late, that's not time to be like, okay, that's my strength. Y'all just need to accept that I'm always late. Because God has given that to me to help you pray. This is here. God gives us these talents so that he may be praised. I want to hit on this a little bit more with the underlying mindset in our church sometimes is that if it's not leadership, if it's not being in front, if it doesn't have a title, then it's not valuable. And even in the world, this is not just in the church, it's in the world as well. It's everywhere we go. And we've got to understand that what God has given you to bring to the table is to bless others. I've been, in our lives, since we've been a Christian, I talked about Amber turning 13. Um, the, when we got to the, uh, to the hospital, the nurse, the, uh, the midwife there, was Dolores, who was a member of this ministry. She helped us through that time. When we were struggling and, you know, we, I was looking for a job, it was a very hard time in our life. You had a newborn. It was disciples who came through who encouraged me and who helped me to get different job positions to get myself together. Right? It's been disciples even in my career as, as, a, as a, you guys know my career as a trainer, um, my career doing some media stuff. It's disciples. It's a brother who, who started a, a project that brought me in. When I was at Dance Theatre Harlem, Zalika was right there. So God in my own life has had disciples serving, using their talents along the way to bless my life. So you don't know what you have and what it means to somebody else. You know, and look, um, if, it's, if you have one of those big talents and you're an artist or you want to do something, then look, if, so long as it's spiritual and you've, and you've got the energy, go for it. We have speech who is a part of our congregation. I got to hang out with Marcus Mercado, who, who's uh, still in the ministry, and he uh, has a whole radio show that he does with, with married couples. God bless the, the, peop- the millionaires in our church. Keep giving. Helping us to keep meeting in places like this, right? 
So God uses it, uses it. We are the light of the world. And so we've got to go into the world and let our light shine. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. God made you the way you are. In verse 5, verse, yeah, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What is God saying? He goes, I know what you are here for. Don't question me. I formed you. God knows what he is doing. Before you were in the womb, before uh, conception, he knew you. We are all different. Some of us are weird to each other. When I first came to Harlem, and you've heard the story before, but James was praying for someone to help him lead the Harlem ministry. An inner city ministry with inner city issues. And so... They, they picked me, an English dancer, who had no idea what he was doing in the inner city. James was like, Lord, why? When they <laughs> the first time they sent James to, to meet me, right, they were like, you've got to go check this brother out. So I was on stage um, uh, dancing this show, and I was in basically dance gear, so kind of like ballet tights and, and, and all of that, right? So here goes James. He's like, oh, who's this brother? And he's like, this is the guy, God, you're sending? This ballet tights wearing English dancer to help me in Harlem? Like, what are you thinking? Listen, you know, James and I, the first couple of months, were just looking at each other like, I guess this is what it is. You know, God used it. And God will continue to use it. You know, uh, Psalm 139, God knows how you were made and you were fearfully and wonderfully made. It is deliberate. And that's all of you, all of your weird little eccentric habits. We're all weird in some way. It's okay. And if you don't think you are, just talk to someone close to you. God gives us weaknesses so that we can rely on him. That's what marriage is. You, you present all the good stuff up front, right? It's so spiritual. It's so awesome. It's so giving. It's so loving. so thoughtful. And you get married. You move into each other. You start noticing weird things. You're like, whoa, what was that in, when we were dating? But then you get through it and you produce weird little children. You have a weird little family. You know, you know it. Those of you with kids, sometimes your kids say stuff. You're like, just don't say that outside. Just keep that between us. Mommy and daddy love you. But please do not repeat that outside. Right? But we still love each other. And it's all to God's glory. All of it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right... Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In our attempts to be humble, we can end up focusing on our weaknesses and not our strengths. We can spend all our efforts trying to strengthen that part of us which is weak, while our talents go unused or ignored. 
Now, yes, we need to strengthen, the Bible says we need to strengthen our feeble arms and weak knees. But the main focus of the scripture, the main focus of the Bible is clearly to focus on your talents and your abilities. If all we're doing is focusing on our weaknesses, we're going to be discouraged, tired, and demotivated. We've got to understand, some of us, you know, we're just not going to be certain things. Look, you look at Paul in the Bible. Paul said some harsh stuff. There's one part in the Bible where he, told, he said, I wish the rest of those brothers would emasculate themselves. I mean, how's that for your Bible talk? You know, it's like, Paul, yo, slow it down. You've got to be gentle. This is who he was. But at the same time, God used that. That's why we're sitting here, because of his ministry, because he was forceful, because the brothers didn't force him to go to sensitivity training. His weaknesses were also his strengths. You know, this is a little science here. From the ages of one to three, your brain grows at a phenomenal rate, right? So the nerves and the connections in your brain, um, that as a kid, you've got sensory overload. So you know when you see a baby and their eyes are open and they're just like this, trying to take everything in? It's because there's too much information coming in. And so what happens is the brain starts to shut off different things that... Um, this baby is not really going to use, right? And so the things that the brain focuses on becomes our strengths and becomes our personalities. So, like I said, from the age of three, we're pretty much hardwired as to who we're going to be. Some of us, some of you guys, you are detail-oriented. You buy your Christmas presents in July. You do your taxes in January. You have a place for everything in your home. If there's a picture frame, you know if somebody moved it. And God's wrath will be on them if they do not put it back. What is wrong with you people? I don't understand it. But God bless her, my wife is one of those people. And she has to put up with me. Now, there's other of us which are creative types. We see the big picture. We get the overall perspective. The details like paying the bills on time, stuff like that, they don't matter to us. <laughs> we have piles of paper stacked everywhere, and the thing is, we know where everything is. And then here you detail types come along, you're trying to clean up our mess. Just leave it alone, because we know where everything is. Now it's tidy, but we can't find anything. Listen, we're all different. God gives us different strengths. We've got to know who we are, accept our weaknesses, work on them so much as so they don't hinder us in life or make other people struggle. Praise God for my wife and her patience. But understand you are who you are. Let's use who we are. Let's not focus on the negative. Let's not spend our time like, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not this. Advertising in the world, that's what it does. You need to improve yourself. You need to enhance yourself. You need to be better. You need to get the newer version because you know what? You are not good enough. Let's not feed into that here in the body of Christ. Final thing is, accept your talents. Uh, Luke chapter 4. 16 to 21. Now this is Jesus as he begins his ministry. It says, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read. 
and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began, began by saying to them, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard it. What's happening here? Jesus enters the synagogue. He reads a scripture from the Old Testament that's talking about him. And then he says in front of everybody, this is me. The Old Testament scriptures are talking about me right here. Can you imagine what people were thinking? Who is this guy? The Bible says that they were furious. You look through the scriptures, you look at Paul. 1 Corinthians 1, Paul called to be apostle of Jesus Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sathesis. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul an apostle of Christ by the will of God. Galatians chapter 1, Paul an apostle sent not by men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. He knew who he was, and he claimed it. Jesus knew who he was, and he claimed it. We need to know who we are and claim it. Who God has made you. Sometimes you walk into situations and you think, I don't deserve to be here. God has you for a reason in that situation. So you do deserve to be here because God has ordained it that you were there at that time. Claim it. We need to write down what we're good at because God will open up opportunities for you in your personal life, in your spiritual life, to help other people to proclaim his name. God will open up doors for you. I talked about this a, a, a couple of times. A few things that have happened. Um, my wife and I got the opportunity to be asked to be a part of a podcast. And this was a, a regular podcast on, on dating and love and relationships. And we got to talk about marriage and our relationship from a Christian perspective. I got to go on another website with my daughter Amber. And we got to talk about the relationship between a father and his daughter. That, that video has got over a million views. The other day I got to go on something else and talk about health and wellness through spirituality and how the Bible and health and wellness all work together. God will open up doors for you. You've just got to put it out there and let him guide you. Sometimes we try to control too much. Well, if I do that, then this will happen. And if I do that, then this will happen. And if I do that, then that will happen. And who knows what's going to happen. Just let God do it. Because I don't know anybody who planned themselves being reached out to baptized, and, and came here, right? Maybe we prayed for it, but I don't think you planned it the way that it happened. Look, I, just in my life, and I can only speak for me, I just have come to a place where, because I was battling with it, I had to talk to a brother, one of the brothers who first helped me um, get into this kind of the media stuff that I do, and I was like, I feel so selfish. I feel like it's selfish ambition. I feel like, you know, that it's all about me and how is God going to bless that? And, and he sat me down and he was like, if you don't do it and if you put a bowl over that light 
then you are in sin. Because you're not giving, so you're not using the talent God has given you, and you are trying to control what God is trying to do. If you're in sin, God will let you know. He always does. He always protects you in that way. But you've got to allow yourself out there and allow God to use you. And then you've got to accept who you are. Look, I like to be in front of an audience. Does that make me spiritual? No. But it is one of the things I like to do. Whether it's here, whether it's personal training, and I have a personal, an audience of one, and they can't get away from me for an hour, then that's awesome. That is who I am naturally. Now, it took me a long while to be able to say that. But that's how I'm made, right? I can't, for my life, I've only done a nine-to-five job for four weeks. Now, I used to think, are you lazy? What's wrong with you? That you can't do a nine-to-five job. I couldn't handle it. I make a terrible employee. And I've chosen jobs that have zero stability. I was a dancer. Oh, that's the most stable thing in the world. Then I finally get somewhere being a dancer, and I say, oh, let's go into the ministry. That's a natural transition. And then after that, I decide, you know what? I'm going to be a personal trainer, because that's a career with longevity. But I'm still here. Guys, God will use you where you're at. You've just got to remain humble, and you've just got to allow him to use you, and you've just got to open yourself up. Now, if you think, well, it's too late for me, or I've tried and I've failed, or I'm, I'm getting too old to use my talents. No, we need you, harvesters, because you've seen it all, and you've done it all, and there ain't nothing that I can tell you that you don't know already. And so we need your talents, we need your experience, we need your wisdom to guide us. Sometimes just to calm us down and slow us down. To give us some perspective. And if you failed, look, good. Because nobody gets anywhere without failure. What they say in terms of behavior change is for you to change a negative habit, you've got to try and try and try and fail at least seven times before you succeed. At least seven times. So for us, we say, oh, I failed. It's a spiral downwards. No, it's a step up towards finally changing. So long as you learn, you fail again, great. Learn from it, move on. Learn from it, move on. You fail fast. That means you fail. Don't be guilty. Learn from it. Fail forward. Move forward. They're all a learning experience for you. So in closing, Ecclesiastes, Chapter 5, verse 18. This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot, and to be happy with their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. 
This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? Guys, God is concerned about your enjoyment. God has given you the talents that you need. And God wants you to serve others. Let us be the type of Christians who take off the brakes, take off our own insecurities, and allow God to use us to his glory. Amen.